Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to our show. I want to first start by thanking all of my listeners because we have recently received such a large volume of email. And, you know, I have such really great listeners that that are making this show successful. And I, I want to say something as a woman with epilepsy and a hearing loss. Remember, can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. I'm working to find employment for people with disabilities and change that discrimination out there, but I can't do it alone. That's why it means so much to me that I have your support. And speaking of helpers so that I don't have to do it alone, I want to tell you what, we have a real saint on our show today. I, I want to tell you that I met Stan Szymanski, the CEO of Encouraging Angels, <clears throat> through a church service, and he just impressed me so much with what he's trying to do that right away I told him that, you know, I wanted to have him on the show because he is working out there to try to make a difference for all of you. Stan, welcome to our show. Thank you very much, Joyce. And Stan, what is that other name you go by? Uh, <laughs> it's Stush, which is, it's spelled S-T-A-S-H. If we were really spelling it the right Polish way, there'd be a little cup above the A, um, but it's pronounced Stush. So anyone listening to this show throughout the world, always remember I'm headquartered in Pittsburgh. So when you're in Pittsburgh, this is just the way it is. This is commonplace, right? <laughs> right, right. This is a, you know, sure. Um, Stan, I, I wanted you before we start the show today to tell our audience about Batten's disease because I found now from all the PR we've done and from talking to different people that, you know, not a lot of people are, are as familiar with this as I thought there would be. No, not at all. Maybe, uh, maybe you could take a few minutes and educate our listeners. Well, first I'll you know, tell them why you're, you were asking me in particular about Batten disease, and that's because uh, we have we have two children. We have uh, our son Joshua, who's 11 and a half, and we also have our daughter Hannah, who's uh, a little over eight years old. And um, at two and a half, we had just moved actually from the city of Pittsburgh into a, a suburb here in, uh, in Swickley, um, technically Bell Acres, but really Swickley, and um, we. Uh, we moved into the house, and 30 days after we moved in here, my daughter, who who was delayed in in many of her milestones, but still hit all of them. She still walked. She talked. Um, she said "ma pa da da," uh, all the one word syllable things. Um, she stopped talking, and uh, at two and a half, she stopped walking. She started uh, falling down, uh, not even sticking her arms out to stop herself. Um, you know, so we got our bike helmet and we're still, you know, permitting her to, to walk around, but she was just falling. Um, and at two and three quarters, and she finally, at that point, you know, later in that summer, um, she received her first diagnosis of Williams syndrome, which is another continuum, which I'm going to just kind of drop that there just to say that she has that as well. These are both genetically confirmed in her. But, uh, we, something else was wrong because Williams kids walk and talk and they would go on to, Maybe work a you know some kind of job or something, but probably being in typically like an assisted living situation as they got older. But Hannah uh, was continuing to regress, 
And um, like I said, just maybe a few months after that diagnosis, the seizure started, and that's not any part of Williams. Um, and so we kept going. We had even been to, you know, a very major, if I mentioned the medical institution, everyone would know right away twice, and had the, P- the director of pediatric genetics say, well, she just has a really bad case of Williams. And as parents, we just knew something else was wrong because Williams kids, again, they, they don't go backwards. Um, and we kept searching, and finally, um, and we, we pushed hard for a diagnosis, just pushing people, could it be this or could it be that? And finally, our, our neurologist here in Pittsburgh, who is a very, very good neurologist, um, diagnosed Hannah with late infantile neuronal ceroid lipofusinosis, which is the, the long way of saying the late infantile form of Batten disease. And there are typically, um, and I don't have all, everything in front of me, but there's uh, roughly seven different forms of Batten that, that occur um, with uh, different ages of onset, um, anywhere from just after birth to sometime in, in 40, the 40s. Um, the late infantile form happens about one in one every 100,000 live births, so it's very rare. In fact, a, a doctor who actually even has a kid, like you know Hannah's doctors, um, with Batten, they'll, they'll probably never see a, another Batten disease kid, you know, unless they specialize in it, which is, I mean, that's extremely rare. Um, there's probably about 50 kids a year diagnosed with late infantile, uh, you know, neuronal ceroid lipofusinosis, again, the late infantile form of Batten disease. And it's typified by um, regression. And, it, you know, with her form, between ages two and five, the kids start to lose their skills. They stop talking. They stop walking. Um, there are uh, notations in the in the eyes uh, that people can see known as... Um, Bullseye maculopathies. It's a, a, a narrowing of blood vessels in the in the retina that are a hallmark uh, for the disease. Um, you know the seizures start. Um, you know again uh, loss of skills and, and ultimately um, you know it's just a very tough uh, uh, terminal condition. Um, so anyway, that's you know we, we've been you know become quite. Uh, you know, familiar with with the disease continuum and uh, you know, the things that go along with it. You know, Stan, from the little bit that I read about this, um, and, and the people I've spoken to, is this like a life expectancy for some people of like into their twenties and forties? Is that right? No, actually, for 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 my daughter's form, the typical life expectancy. Let me try that again. Life expectancy would be between six and sixteen. So it must be for another version. I had read about that it was could be to the twenties. Uh, yeah, if you get up into because there's infantile, which is even earlier than my daughter as far mm-hmm. as the life expectancy. Then there's late infantile, there's juvenile. Now so, again, there are but you know there, there's an overlap too, Joyce, because there are kids with late infantile who have made it into their twenties and even later, but it's not typical. Mm-hmm. But there are the other forms like say cuffs. Um, which is the one that you might have not even not even have an onset until your 30s or 40s. I see. So there's like there, again, there's seven different forms. There's a finished variant. There's a whole bunch of different. Um, you know, there's a number of different forms of the disease that are characterized by different ages of onset and also different you know life expectancies. What I think was also very interesting, um, Stan, is that. If I recall right, didn't you yourself have to do a lot of research to figure out what was going on? It took us, 
I, you know, again, we we had it on on the radar screen, and again, I'm just you know really credit our our our, uh, our daughter's neurologist um, for being on the ball. But um, you know, we've done a lot of you know a, a lot of research and a lot you know, and have employed actually a lot of uh, you know natural methods of uh, you know intervention with, and, and we've also have you know uh, on Hannah's team, uh, if I can loosely use that term. We have a very good um, nutritionist and chiropractor um, who's also now become an MD since we've started seeing him. But uh, uh, he's, he's done everything the reverse way. But <laughs> but he's he's a brilliant man and um, it really has uh, has helped Hannah a lot with the use of uh, you know vitamins and supplements and chiropractic too is is very helpful for somebody who's confined to a wheelchair. Uh, or in you know positions for like either laying down or sitting or whatever for long periods of time. I mean, chiropractic for my daughter has been very good. And I'll tell you why I'm asking you about this, uh, Stan. Is many of our listeners have told me that when they had a child with an extremely significant disability, multiple disabilities, or something unusual like this Batten's disease, that it took them. The people don't realize what a family goes through, mm-hmm. even at the beginning even at the beginning, just to figure out what's going on, mm-hmm. and that it, in fact, can take years before you get the correct diagnosis. I'm sure that must be true because, yes. think about me, when I first went to the uh, doctor, I went to the doctor and told the doctor that, you know, my husband had found me unconscious mm-hmm. and that I was having these fainting spells, mm-hmm. and he said, oh, I've seen this before in other women and did not test me. And I went on my way thinking I was fine, and then mm-hmm. as you know, you know, over 21 years ago, I had an almost fatal accident in a movie theater when I had a tonic seizure standing there and hit the floor so mm. hard, I fractured my skull and had an intracranial brain hemorrhage and broke all the bones in my right ear. That's why I was wow. 50% hearing loss. And this is when I find out, oh, and by the way, you have epilepsy, which, of course, I had it before. That's what those fainting spells were. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, boy, if that was that hard to figure out, I can't imagine what families go through, you know, when it's something like this. Yeah, and it's, um, you know, and really, I mean, you should be praised just for, you know, having me on the show just to talk about this because even if one or two doctors hear about how the disease continuum uh, starts, is that that's the biggest thing is they don't know what it is when they see it. They're, you know, and it's, and, and in their defense, you know, a, a general practitioner sees a lot of things but uh you know it's very hard when you have something that's you know not even on you know the normal bell curve of people that are affected um, and especially you start going through things and seeing all these therapists and all I can say is you know is that once it happens is that the the quicker that the family can uh or the caretaker whoever you know who's ever involved um can just steel themselves to the reality that you're going to have to push hard. Now you don't have to be overbearing. You know you don't have to be a, a you know a jerk when and and respect you know the doctors and so forth. But you also have to know when to move on from somebody because sometimes people will literally just keep you coming back to just say oh we'll look at you in another three months and 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 do nothing. And you have you have to go on. That's the only one of the good things that we learned is that you have to keep going. To get a different set of eyes, you know, on you, and maybe even gather just a little bit more information. And sometimes you just have to be a, uh, you know, a detective. One minute, one minute. 
Well, that is so really difficult for so many people. See, this is why I think, Stan, it's so important what you're doing, for more people to hear what you're talking about, because just what you said will make a difference. If you can just help one family, it will make a difference. But I just want to say one thing before we go to break, and that is, remember when Stan said about going to the general practitioner? Remember what that word is, general, generalist? Keep in mind, generalist means they don't know about specific disabilities or illnesses that come up with people. In other words, I would never rely on a generalist. You know, you have to do what Stan did. You have to go, and what I did, you have to get with, you know, all to, in my, my case, I didn't have time. I had an accident first. But remember, if something's wrong, or if you're having a problem, or with your child, if you think something isn't right, don't just go to one general practitioner. Go to a specialist. Talk to other people. Mm-hmm. You have to be the advocate. You have to be the advocate. And with that, we're going to go to break, and then we'll be right back with a true champion, Stan Szymanski, the president and CEO of Encouraging Angels. This is Joyce Bender. You're listening to America's Voice on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Expand love and light in the universe. Tune into Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True with Iris Jackson every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Each week, Iris and her guests empower, encourage, affirm, acknowledge, and remind us of who we really are, providing tools and processes to fulfill our destiny passionately, victoriously, and joyously. Miracles Happen, Dreams Do Come True is under the guidance and direction of our beloved I Am Presence, the seven mighty Elohim, the ascended masters, and the legions of light, and is given with fervent and heartfelt wishes that all of your dreams come true and are a thousand times more wonderful than you ever dreamed possible. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. And if you just joined us, our guest today is Stan Szymanski, who is the president and CEO of the nonprofit organization Encouraging Angels. And if you just joined us, what got Stan on this road to trying to work to help children with disabilities is that his daughter, Hannah, was diagnosed with Batten's disease. And this is a disability that is very frequently misdiagnosed. And so he has been on this trail trying to change the way people think. Stan, I do have a question for you. As a parent of a daughter with a disability, what type of impact? Now, I'm meaning in all ways, emotionally, financially, Mm -hmm. with your career, everything. What type Mm -hmm. of impact did that have on you and your life? Well, I mean, there's almost no limit that you can place on it um, because it's um, it's global. And by global, I mean every facet, you know, of, of your life that you're involved with. Um, first of all, emotionally, I mean, obviously, you know, as a parent, you're devastated because, you know, you're watching, in, in our case, you know, watching your daughter deteriorate, you know, in front of your eyes and nobody's able to do anything. Um and so and and you and you you spend lots of time um, you know searching for those answers and and searching for ways to improve her life um, you know waiting waiting for you know a, a magic bullet um, and so you, you know you do a lot even I, today I was in such a hurry getting here i mean we we called it ahead and it, it, just the, the the routine things this was a routine day where we went to the hospital because the dentist is there. And um, it was just a routine checkup, but you know we, uh, you know we were up at you know normal time like anybody else up at six thirty this morning, getting ready for a ten thirty appointment. And I and I got back here, you know, at one o'clock. So um, there's a, a large part of our day just devoted to getting our our daughter, you know, to one doctor today and back. And so that just leads into the time issue. Put people, what you know, normal, you know, quote unquote, folks. Um, don't realize when they see someone pushing a wheelchair is just the absolute, you know, time dedication to the, the caregiving, because um, it's all encompassing. I mean, my daughter can't walk; she can't talk. Um, she she would basically be legally blind. Um, she has a feeding tube which is on her tummy, you know, and so we we feed her that way. Um, we have to. Change, she's eight years old, and we change her diaper, and it, it's going to be that way for the rest of her life, most likely. Um, you know, and so, you know, all these things weigh upon you because you start thinking, of, you know, the other, in the early stages, you think, well, you know, now my, my, you know, I'll never see my daughter, you know, you know, play a piano recital, uh, go to the prom, walk down the aisle, have a grandkid, you know, all of those things. You know, and you, and you have to process all of those things. Um, you know, financially, for us, um, we were doing lots of work uh, on this, and um, you know, ultimately, and I, I worked for you know a very good uh, major firm um, in the brokerage industry for a number of years, and they they helped us for as long as they could, number a number of years, and finally it just you know um, you know something had to give, and uh, again uh, in in retrospect, and it takes years sometimes to be able to look back and see the you know 
you know, that they were, they were actually, you know, quite gracious to me. But it did cost me my job. And so, you know, but that's all in, in God's providence as far as I'm concerned. Um, you know, it led us down this road to see, you know, what was going on there with, with disabled, which led to us and, uh, you know, about encouraging angels. Um, but, you know, when, when you add up all those things, you, you know, a job loss, the time of, you know, like in our case, it's 24-7. And, you know, the interesting thing, Joyce, is that, um, and I do, actually with Encouraging Angels, I do uh, music therapy two days a week. We provide music therapy services at a um, a great local institution known as Verland um, Foundation, and they have a number of different campuses, and um, I go do music therapy for the, the residents there who, you know, they have different physical and mental challenges, and they, they live there. Um, but about 5% of the disabled, and I'm, I'm sure you probably know this stuff, or maybe even, you know, more exact numbers, but basically 5% of the disabled live in, uh, you know, institutions, and 95% live out in the general public like Hannah with us. And so, you know, a family is, is we're providing all of the, you know, the services for Hannah, um, you know, services and support. So, I mean, it's a, it is, it's more than a full-time job, uh, you know, doing that. So, um, you know, just, I think, getting to your, your point about, you know, what does it take, uh, you know, how does it affect you, it's, you know, it's everything. Well, it is, and I think a lot of people don't realize that. I don't think a lot of people realize, you know, the, you know, what people put into this, and of course I think it's tremendous, you know, what you're doing and, you know, helping, you know, your daughter like this, uh, I just think it's absolutely tremendous, but I'm saying this because, you know, People want to know what can I do to help people, and you know it could be just your next door neighbor. Mm-hmm. Oh, it could be just a family down the street you could help. You know, I mean, there's a lot of people you want to figure out how to help. There's so many people you could help. Yes, you know, because sometimes you just don't realize what the heck people are going through. Now, Stan, we receive because we PR our show, we get a lot of email prior to the show, and a question that I have from you is from. Philadelphia from a Tammy, and the question for you is, uh, first of all, you know, while I never heard of encouraging angels before, this is wonderful, my question for you is this, did you notice, did people, your friends, treat you differently, friends you had prior to Hannah, did they treat you differently after they realized you had a child with such a significant disability? Yeah, oh, well, sure. And it's, you know, it, at this point I can just look back and just say, well, and, and when I deal with it now, it's just, it's the way it is. But, you know, it's one of the, it's, it's, you know, I forgot to mention that when you talked about, you know, the cost of having, you know, uh, you know, a disability in the family. And, and the thing is, is that, um, there's people who will just, they, they will turn from you. And, um, you know, we've seen this in, uh, you know, our own family, and I, you know, you know, I'll, I'll just say this, my wife's family is great, and, you know, I have some members of my family, extended family, that are great, and other ones that, you know, it's just, you know, it's just very hard. Um, you know, we have people who, you know, just, you know, just wouldn't talk to us, wouldn't, you know, you know, wouldn't come over, wouldn't, you know, call anything, um, and basically, you know, just, you know, disown you by means of non-association. Um and I think that, you know, alluding to what you had just said a minute ago about you have a next-door neighbor, I mean, 
you know, the Bible talks about, you know, Jesus talked about, you know, when you gave somebody even a cold glass of water, you did it unto me. And it's, you know, I think about the things that, and, you know, there are some big things. I mean, 80% of the marriages fail with a disability as opposed to 50% in the general population. And so, you know, most of these folks are, are typically going to be, you know, the mom, you know, and or extended family um, taking care of a kid or, you know, an adult. Because, you know, there's lots of adults. There's 49 million disabled in this country. And um, it is, you know, you if you just went over and did the dishes or you did the laundry once a month, you have no idea, I mean, the help that you would be to somebody because when we talk about the time involved, you know, like today, again, we started at, at 6.30 this morning and I just got back at 1 o'clock and that's for one doctor's appointment. You know, of the kind of time loss that's involved in, in because you have to take care of somebody who can't do anything for themselves. I mean, that would be a real blessing for someone that you know. I'm talking third person here to the, you know, the, 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 the person asking the question of, of just, you know, being a blessing to someone who is, you know, in the restaurant business, which I, for, for a very short period of time in my teenage years, <laughs> was in, I knew I didn't have the gift to be in that business. But there, there's a, a saying they have there called in the weeds. When the, the dishes are, you know, piled up to the ceiling in the kitchen and there's, you know, 25 orders at the, at the station there. Um, and that's what a disabled family goes through all the time is that you're just in the weeds. You know, deal, you just deal with what is in front of you right now. And, um, boy, those, those little things would, would be a great blessing to somebody. And, you know, if you're listening to the show, please remember when Stan's talking about disability, he's not talking about a child uh, who is blind or deaf or has epilepsy or in a wheelchair, he's talking about a child that has a terminal illness that cannot do anything for themselves. And that is, you know, what he and his family are going through. And, you know, when you were talking about, um, Stan, when you were talking about how people treat you, that's terrible because I've seen Hannah. And she, she is the sweetest child. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, she, you know, people talk about this like, oh, woe is me, this, you know, oh, how horrible. And I do not view it that way at all. And, you know, I, I just can't believe that people are like that. But uh, just as our listener asked, unfortunately, I do know that there are people like that. Now, Stan, where do parents go to if they have a child diagnosed with Batten's disease? What type of support groups are there? In that area, well, to be honest with you, in, as far as an actual support group, even you know where we live, um, there really isn't one. We literally got a phone call yesterday about about the desire to, um, you know, to, to uh, about it, if we had an interest in, in helping to get one started. And it, you figure we, you know, Hannah's had, um, you know, batten for, you know, or she, well, she's had, she was been, she's been affected for you know five and a half years almost at this point, so. Um, and we're just hearing now about it here. It's just it's finding an actual support group for what Hannah has is extremely rare. They do have them out there. There is the um, the Batten Disease um, Research and Support Association, and that's BDSRA.org. Um, that is a, a, a very good for um, you know for information. And what is that again, Stan? Uh, it's that's it's BDSRA.org, and that is. Um, you know, the Batten Disease Research and Support Association, it's located, uh, I forget the exact town, but it's right outside of Columbus, Ohio. Um, but you can go to the website and, and, uh, and get in contact with them. 
But I'll tell you, hopefully, you know, I know we're getting close to the break here, is that hopefully we can talk about the, the role the church can play in helping, uh, you know, families of the disabled. Okay, yes, because one of my close friends that I admire so much, Jenny Thornburg, is working across the United States telling synagogues, mosques, and churches, all faiths, why are your doors not open to people with disabilities? Mm Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, there are churches, there are synagogues, and there are mosques that, guess what, if you have a disability, you can't get in there anyway, mm-hmm. which is so deplorable to think about that. So we'll talk a little bit more, and yes, we'll definitely talk about encouraging angels. As soon as we come back from break, you're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com the world leader in internet talk radio you're listening to america's voice VoiceAmerica.com. if you have a question or comment call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788 now please welcome back the host of disability matters here's joy spender and welcome back we are talking today to Stan Szymanski, who is the president and CEO of Encouraging Angels. And we really haven't had the opportunity yet to talk about this nonprofit organization. Actually, Stan is also the founder. And when he's done telling you what it is and what his mission is, he can give you the website uh, also. So, Stan, go ahead. Let's hear about Encouraging Angels. Okay. Well, and, we... and also when you started it. Okay. Uh, well, we, we just got, um, you know, our, our tax-exempt nonprofit status, uh, you know, in 05, and really we, we got our first very modest, which we're very grateful for, but a very a modest grant to get started uh, right on Christmas Eve. And so we really started up, you know, right then. So we're, we're very, you know, it's really, it's a start-up. Um, but I think the, um, 
you know, the, the people at the, in the government saw that uh, a real need because we, we tried our best to spell out what the problem was and actually that the church is the sleeping giant in our country um, as far as being having the resources, and I mean really people resources, to help uh, the disabled families deal with um, wh- what they have to deal with. And they also actually, more importantly, they have an actual uh, a, a biblical mandate. And so the house of worship would be, of course, Christian, and that's everything from you know the Catholic churches to all the Protestant denominations. And of course, we go into the Old Testament and include uh, you know the synagogues too, because there's certainly mandates there in the Old Testament. Um, but our we exist to encourage you know, so we're a tax exempt 501c3 nonprofit organization. So you know, if anyone donates to us, it's a it's tax uh, you know uh, tax exempt. Uh, it's a deduct it's deductible. Um, but we exist to encourage the church to fulfill its obligation to the biblical command of Jesus to go out at once into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And that's, if anybody wants to look in their Bible, that's the, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. And there's actually, it's actually recited twice, uh, but that was from 1421. Um, and that's, that's a hard thing. And, you know, I never hear anybody preach, you know, on that. And I would, certainly would love to because just as Christ commanded, you know, the church to go out and make disciples of all nations, he has commanded his church, his, his followers, to go out in, in the same way and call in the disabled. You know, and again, he said the, 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 the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And, uh, you know, it's a hard thing that, that you, so many of the churches are, you know, filled up with the prosperity gospel. And, you know, this leads into some of those misconceptions about, you know, hey, if uh, you have a physical problem, it's because, you know, you don't have enough faith. You know, I mean, that's, that, you know, that's one part of the prosperity gospel. And also there's just plain old, you know, ignorance and a lack of leadership that, you know, and again, I'm talking in a big, broad, general sense, um, that if they're reading their Bibles, they should be able to see this very clearly. Um, but, you know, folks will look at, like, you, when you're asking me about, hey, um, you know, the, I know people turn, you know, you know, turn on, uh, turn away from disabled folks. You know, I've had people say, I don't get involved with, quote, them, you know, disabled folks. There are, quote, programs for, quote, those people, unquote. But, you know, if, if you're looking in your Bible, and go back to the Gospel of Luke again, there's 24 chapters in that book. In nine of those chapters, Jesus is with one, two, or a whole town of afflicted people. And so if church leaders really want to, quote, lead like Jesus, which is a popular seminar out there right now, how, how can they do that without having, you know, the disabled people? Because those folks are there because, and I just want to go to one more thing that Jesus said. I'm sorry for being long-winded. But in the book of John, um, the disciples asked him about a blind man. It said, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned? You know, so again, here's, it's, always, it's always the disabled person's fault, right? There's always something wrong with the family or, or the disabled person. And here's the disciples asking that question. Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. 
So there's a perp you know, God knew what he was doing. He said, you know, in Psalm 139 that, you know, that you formed my inward parts, you cover me in my mother's womb, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, he, he knew what he was doing when he made that disabled person. And and again, going back to Jesus and the disciples, it was neither the parent the, the parents nor the afflicted caused the afflictions to come on. It was God who had a plan to use that man in that particular situation so that the works of God would be revealed. And I think that's the message to the church, that these people are here for the glory of God to be shown for his purpose. And if the church would just, and I'm talking about, you know, the congregation, the church would get that. And it would hopefully that would be preached from the pulpit that, if you want to see God's glory, you know, um, it, it, so it's going to be wrapped up, you know, in the disabled. And, it, and it, me, God me, is just waiting. Me, let me just say about that. Um, what I was talking about before we went to break, two great heroes and two great champions in the disability community are Dick and Jenny Thornburg. Mm-hmm. And Jenny Thornburg started, who last year won the Hubert H. Humphrey Award. She is a great civil rights leader. And she goes across the country, and listen if you're listening to the show, interfaith. She goes to synagogues, mosques. Uh, Well, she doesn't herself go. She has conferences across the United States, interfaith with all different denominations that says the same thing to them. Why are people with disabilities not able to worship. Now, as you, if you were listening, when Stan was talking about different examples, there is a person that is in all three of those religious beliefs, and that person is Moses. And Moses, in the Old Testament, said before God, why would you choose me? I can't do this. I can't speak before the, before the Pharaoh. Why not? Well, because I speak with faltering lips. Mm-hmm. Now, my question is, why in the heck do you think God himself would choose someone with a disability who has become the most well-known, one of the greatest leaders, not just in the Christian church, mm-hmm. but the Jewish faith, mm-hmm. and in mosques across the country? Why is he so well-known and yet, here he is, person with a disability. You know, I mean, it is deplorable to me that people with disabilities would try to get into a church and can't get in because there is not access. Mm -hmm. You know, again, how can you possibly think that is right? And you know, the saddest part is when Stan was saying about those people that said, I don't want to be around those people Mm -hmm. and um, I don't like that program or let them go to that program. Mm -hmm. Those people are your brothers and sisters. Yep. They are no different. It's man that looks on the outward appearance. That's who judges people by the outward appearance. Mm-hmm. And, and that is just, you know, such a sad thing. When I hear you say that, Stan, that is so sad because I assure you that when I was at a conference at the Pittsburgh Theological Seminary, and it was with all faiths, it was not just the Christian church, it was the Jewish faith, it was the Muslim faith. When they were all there, every single person had the same exact problem in their place of worship, that example you gave before. The people treated people with disabilities as if, well, there must be something wrong with their parents. Right. 
there's something wrong with their parents or, or you know, they're, they're being uh, judged. There's something wrong with them. And, you know, that that is something that when I had another guest on the show talked about that, that is, he talked about how people think people have a moral inferiority. Mm-hmm. And they base it a lot on this old belief that, well, there must be something wrong with Stan and his wife, and that's why the child's like this. Do you know what I mean, Stan? Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean, that's terrible. So, Stan, no, 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 I, I have a question to ask Yes. You. Why do you think it's like that? How can it be possible that churches, synagogues, and mosques do not open their door equally and include equally people with disabilities? Why? Why do you think that is? Well, it's hard because I think part, part of it is they're, you know, sometimes people are, they don't know what to say, and it, which is why, and it's, Sometimes it's a creative, and you know, part of it would be probably a creative avoidance. They don't know what to say. They don't want to do, and they, you know, but once they would know, which they should, and this is where leadership has to come in. I mean, that there's really nothing different between the disabled person and the quote well person unquote, because certainly in the eyes of God, I mean, He made both of them, and He didn't make a mistake on either of them. Um, and that's Psalm 139 from the Old Testament. Um, but it, I think it is, like you said, that there is some part of that, that there's, you know, people will look at us and, and say, well, you know, and, and impose a, a moral, you know, uh, judgment upon us, saying, hey, they must have really done something wrong. And, uh, you know, when that's not that's not the case, Hannah is that way because that's the way God made her. Um well, you know what? I'll tell you what. Um, remember the whole message of loving your brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. I never heard anyone talk about it. Only if they're no, they're people that are non-disabled. Never heard that one before. No. <laughs> and, w- and with that, listen, we're going to go to break for a minute. But if you just joined in, we're talking to Stan Szymanski, the president and CEO of Encouraging Angels. When we come back, we'll give you that website and tell you a little bit more about Encouraging Angels. You're listening to Joyce Bender on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. 
There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. The Internet's premier talk radio station, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. If you've been listening today, we've been hearing about how churches, synagogues, and mosques are sometimes closing the door to people you think they would open it to the most, people with disabilities. And Stan Szymanski, our guest, is the founder and CEO of Encouraging Angels, a nonprofit that's trying to change that. And Stan, I don't remember if we went over this, what is your website? It is. It's, it's kind of a strange one because there's no www in the title. But it is http colon backslash backslash web dot mac which is mac dot com backslash encouraging angels all one word kind of mashed together so it's you know http colon backslash backslash web dot mac dot com backslash encouraging angels and if they want to email us it's um, encouraging angels at verizon dot net okay apparently a lot of people how they heard about you is not only from your music and your concerts that you also give but just so you know, anyone listening to the show, if you go into Google and put in Encouraging Angels, they're listed on different sites, and you can read more about Stan and what he's trying to do. But please keep in mind, he just started this nonprofit uh, in 2005. Stan, um, a question that I want to make sure we get to go over is that, you know, you have, after losing your job, and a very good job, you still were able, you know, to go forward and then decide you wanted to get back to the community and start this Encouraging Angels. Um, and I know that you also have videos, if I'm correct, about Hannah. Is that right? Yes. What is that called? Uh, well, it's, 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 well, the video is, we, we haven't marketed it yet, and I get, and it, it may grow up into something even bigger than we think. But at the moment, what we do is when we give a concert, which is what we do, we go into churches, you know, they'll invite us and, um, you know, for an honorarium slash um, free will offering. Um, is we go in and we use music as kind of the very nice way of approaching the subject. In the um, in the midst of the concert, we stop and we, we talk about some of the things you and I have been talking about today, and we show a 14-minute video that we created. Uh, the first seven minutes is actually Hannah's story. You know, showing pictures of, you know, before the affect came on and then after, um, and just, and talked about what we talked about about Hannah. And this, the second seven minutes is actually following us around for a day and so that the, you know, people in attendance in the church get an idea of what it's like for a disabled family just to go through a day. So that dovetails into what we talked about early on about, you know, what, what, you know, 
what's one day like and what could they do for someone who's affected right in their own community, right in their own church, hopefully? All right. Well, obviously, you know, you have accomplished a lot to be able to have this career, lose that job, turn everything around, start this uh, nonprofit, you know, get that video made, and then, you know, go around performing not only at churches, but as you mentioned, at foundations like the Verlin Foundation, mm-hmm. uh, doing work like that in the community for people with disabilities. What would you say is your greatest accomplishment? What oh, are you gee. the proudest of? Oh, um, heck, I mean, I, I think, in, I, first of all, just to follow Jesus and thank <laughs> thank him that he, uh, you know, um, made me a believer um, and that we could take his message, which is, you know, to, basically to follow him. And part of following him is, you know, is taking on the uh, the mantle of the disabled. And, you know, so I think that's it because it's it, outside of, of believing what he told me in the Bible, I wouldn't be able to, to do it, we, you know. In fact, when I was a teenager, I thought, boy, it would be great if I volunteered. I had a, a, a grandfather who died of myasthenia gravis, and so I went and volunteered one day, uh, and I was at the hospital watching what these people had to go through, which was, you know, one is a blood transfusion and, you know, and other things, and that was just one day, and I, I just left after that, and I said, I can't do it. So here I am, uh, you know, 25 years later. Um, and today you are doing it. Right, and it's only because... Um, you know, Jesus came and, and took care of things at Easter time. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, though. It is also, I think, because you're a person that wants to give back to the community. You know, I, I mean, I also think it's because you are a good person. I, I really think that there are many people, I hate to say this, but they go to churches, they go to synagogues, they go to mosques, wherever it is they go, but they are not really practicing brotherly love or giving back. It's so hard for me when I'm hearing you talk about all this to not think of Dr. and Reverend Martin Luther King mm-hmm. and how he preached so much about helping your brother and how he preached so much that, you know, always remember it's helping that next-door neighbor. You know, you can pontificate all day long, but it's would you help that homeless man? Mm-hmm. You know, would you help that disabled child? Will you help that family in need? You know, will you help that next-door neighbor? It's not about pontificating. It's about actually doing it, doing something. And, you know, that's that's who I think of. I think of Reverend Martin Luther King, Jr., um, and, of course, he did so much for, for all of us. But I think about him when I hear you And, you know, he, he that, wasn't just talking. He, I just wanted to say he was there. He was marching. He was, I mean... Right there in the midst of all that. And I think just, I just want to dovetail real quick and just say, you know, it's fine to do things overseas and those are good things, you know, to, to do overseas missions. But there are so many disabled, just in, in Western Pennsylvania, there's 30,000 people like Hannah who have a developmental disability and approximately 400,000 disabled. And there's plenty of opportunities in their own you know, backyard. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump that's, in there. That's quite all right. And you were saying, Stan, earlier, I noticed on your website that you said that families of children with disabilities are often ostracized. What, mm-hmm. what do you mean by that? Uh, well, gee, I mean, people, you know, for instance, we're, 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 if we were pushing Hannah down the street, 
I mean, people will look and, and say, ah, oh, you know, or, I mean, I had somebody, you know, and I won't say where, you know, uh, but <laughs> I say, hey, could I, you know, could I kiss her? And if I, we're at the point where, you know, we've just matured in our own um, being able to deal with all this, and we just say no because, A, she could get sick, you know, um, and re- but what it, that it is for that person is it, it's a way to release the pressure. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a way for them to get out. Oh, I gave her a kiss. You know, I felt so bad. Well, you know what? what how about if you, uh, you know, again, wh- whether it's you did the dishes, you helped somebody out to the car, you, you talked to them. How about that? I mean, you know, so many times people, you know, like we talked about the authorization, it, it just it's just that way. And, and if you, you know, because they, they think they're almost lowering themselves to come and talk to you. And, you know, it's just ridiculous. But, um that I think that's part of the ostr- you know, the ostracizing process is that it's an ostracization. Ostr- I'm going to have a problem with this one. <laughs> ostracization. I know I didn't say that right. Um, by exclusion. And, um, people, you know, it's just, you know, we, we've been through a number of church situations, um, where, you know, folks have helped us and then just bludgeoned us because it's, you know, almost they don't want, you know, I hate to say we we just been where people just didn't you know they didn't want to deal with it, and it's just there's not much for them to deal with, but even that much they're having a problem with. Yes, I know of a situation where even uh, a, f- a friend of mine who is Jewish who goes to a synagogue told me the story of how they did not want this one child in the synagogue because the child had Tourette syndrome, and that you know would be that would make that would be a problem. Mm. And you know, I remember saying, you know, where are these people coming from? Why do yep. they think they're there? I mean, I don't know what what are they thinking? What is the purpose? You know, remember the purpose, that's what you have to think about. What is the purpose? Mm-hmm. And, and Stan, um, will you be marketing this video at some point? I, I hope that we would do even more than that. That would, it would expand to, you know, hopefully, you know, something, you know, something bigger. We'd, we'd probably have to um, do some other things with that. We've, of course, we, you know, we do have, um, you know, some CDs available um, that folks can email us uh, about. Um, we, I don't. I think at some point we're going to definitely do some type of, of video production. You know, probably even more than what we have that, that we use at the concert. That's good, and I also hope if you've been listening to the show today, uh, Stan's daughter Hannah, who was diagnosed with Batten's disease, um, you know, you you really, if you're not familiar with this, if there's a problem with your child, and you're not sure what's going on, remember what I said: never, ever, ever just rely on the uh, general practitioner. If if that person says. Well, I think everything's okay, but you know everything is not okay. Mm-hmm. You've got to be your own advocate. You've got to get out there and, you know, get on a mission and talk to different people. Uh, Stan, with Encouraging Angels, what message do you want to leave with our listeners today? Um, well, we would hope that they would, you know, uh, consider, you know, coming by the website or emailing us um, and talk to us about coming to do a concert to um, – to help the awareness in their own area, in their own, in their own church, own house of worship, um, 
and and I think the message is simple: is that is that there is a mandate for the assimilation of the disabled, and it doesn't have to be that they're ostracized, and that the church is only for the well and the well healed. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's and and, go, and and if they would follow the 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 commands, and again, whether it's the Moses or the Jesus. Uh, of, of showing that the disabled are used for God's glory, and and most of the time, it, God's greatest glory, because all the great miracles that Jesus did were always with someone who was possessed, sick, disabled. The women who had the issue of blood for twelve years that it says the doctors took all her money. <laughs> um, you know, all of these great things, you know, were never done for the people who were the perfect people. Mm-hmm. They were done through you know the disabled and, and the church would see God's glory if they would just assimilate these these folks, the, the, the kids, middle-aged, older folks who are disabled. And I, and I hope you will pass this news on to your place of worship, regardless of where you worship, whether uh, it is at a synagogue, church, or mosque. Remember one thing. You've got to include people with disabilities. You must include them. They have to be able to worship, and I talked earlier about Jenny Thornburg, who, by the way, when President Bush signed the Americans with Disabilities Act, Jenny was behind getting the prayer that was given that day. I think it's the only time a prayer was given when a Civil Rights Act uh, was signed. But Jenny, when she's talking about uh, going around to churches and telling them what they need to do, and when she's telling them, people with disabilities should be included. She has a quote that she says that you'll see fits this. In every show, I end with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. So here it is. In talking to churches, synagogues, and mosques about including people with disabilities to worship, Jenny Thornburg says, ramps are not enough. So says Jenny Thornburg. You've been listening to America's Voice, Joyce Bender. We've been talking to Stan Szymanski, President and CEO of Encouraging Angels. Stan, thank you for being with us, and best wishes, good luck with Hannah and your mission. And I hope all of you will tune in next week. Joyce Bender, Disability Matters, on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.